0: Listen, are you listening? (laughs) This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan.
1: Taiwan.
2: A small island with a whole world of sounds.
3: Welcome to Radio Taiwan International. Coming up, we have 50 minutes of English language features for you with Newsmakers with Tomasz Koper and In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. But first up, it's a very special version of Here in Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> Eli, uh, Tomasz is dancing to yeah, that like yeah. music. Welcome to Here in Taiwan, a show where we talk about, yeah, well, some of the stories that don't make into our news bulletin. It's a bit of a festive version. Uh, it's the third day of the Chinese New Year. If you're listening on uh, Thursday, February the 3rd, I'm Stash Butler, and joining me is Tomasz Koper. Hello,
4: everyone. And if you are listening on uh, February 3rd, then we are probably uh, somewhere... Uh, Full of food and drink, uh, and and probably <laughs> on a beach, getting slightly tired of all the merrymaking so far. I guess.
3: Yeah, I mean we're gonna hopefully be away and having fun on this oh, on yeah. this on this kind of longest uh, of the holidays in in Taiwan. Um So we thought we'd start by bringing you um here a traditional play. It's a radio play um, called The Mouse's Bride, uh, and this is from a kind of a, a children's tale popular among. Taiwanese people. And I don't want to give um, too much away. Uh, we're going to kind of... Spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. We're going to talk about it a bit afterwards. But we thought we'd kind of begin with this, something like a taste of uh, perhaps some uh, Taiwanese folklore surrounding the Lunar New Year. Enjoy.
1: The third
2: day of the Chinese
0: New Year... Marks the ancient story of the Mouse Bride. A long time ago, the head of a mouse village was determined to find a husband for his beautiful young daughter. But who would be good enough for his daughter? And who could protect her from the terrible cat? Find out in this lovely Chinese folk tale about love and marriage. A long time ago in a large farmhouse in Taiwan, there was a mouse village built in the corner of a stone wall. The head mouse of the small community had been thinking of his daughter's marriage. She was young and beautiful and had attracted many young fellows. But her father just could not decide which of the many suitors should be his son-in-law. He thought about this day and night and finally made up his mind. He would set up a test, a fair test, and let the test itself choose the best husband for his daughter. He quickly set up a platform on the wall and made an announcement to the village. His daughter would choose her husband by tossing the ribbon ball. In this traditional game, whoever caught the ball would become the maiden's husband. All the youth in the village were excited and ready for the game. It was a bustling evening. The mouse maiden was ready to toss the ball when all of a sudden, everyone heard, The gigantic shadow of a cat appeared on the wall. A cat! The big black cat's claws swiped at the platform and all the mice fled in fear. The mouse maiden was so afraid that she fell from a wall. <coughs> but she was caught by a young mouse named Anlang ah who grabbed her and ran away. In his dreams that night, the head mouse saw the black cat catch his daughter. He heard her screams and wails. Ah, 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 ah. Then he woke up and found himself trembling all over, holding a pillow to himself. He began to think, what could he do to protect her? Finally, he sat up in bed and decided what to do. He would find the strongest husband in the world for her, much stronger than the cat. But who could be the strongest in the whole world? He thought and thought until dawn broke. The sunbeams gently touched upon his face through the roof cracks. The head mouse was instantly on his feet, saying,
2: THE SUN! The sun is the strongest in the world, for no one can live and nothing can grow if the sun does not shine. I shall marry my daughter to the sun.
0: He packed his knapsack right away and went off to find the sun. Alang spotted the old mouse leaving and followed behind to see what was up. The old fellow headed straight up a mountain. Standing on the mountaintop, the mouse leader said to the sun,
2: Excuse me, are you the strongest in the world?
0: Bursting with light and heat, the sun answered,
2: Of course I am! No one can resist my great power! The old mouse announced, I am the mouse leader, and I want to marry my daughter to you!
0: Before he could finish his sentence, a dark cloud emerged and covered the sun. The old mouse was stunned, but he quickly got his wits back and proposed to the cloud with both arms open wide.
2: Excuse me, I am the mouse leader and I want to marry my daughter to you. Are you the strongest in the world? (sighs) Of course I am.
3: I am the only one that can block the sun's light and heat.
0: But before the cloud could finish his sentence, a fierce wind arose and blew the cloud away. The leader turned to the wind and said again,
2: Excuse me, I'm the mouse leader and I want to marry my daughter to you. Are you the strongest in the world? Of course I am! I can blow away the cloud. I can blow the hat off your head. And I can even blow you back to your house.
0: The wind blew up again and threw the old mouse high into the sky. He flew along swiftly until he crashed into the village wall. Meanwhile, Alang was blown into the river and struggled to swim ashore. The old mouse rubbed his behind. He looked up at the wall, then again said,
2: Excuse me, I am the mouse leader and I want to marry my daughter to you. Are you the strongest in the world? The wall answered, Of course I am. I fear nothing on heaven or earth. The strongest, ouch! I forgot to tell you. The one thing I fear is the mouse.
0: A brick fell and out came Alang. He bowed and handed the old mouse his hat. The old mouse finally realized that mice may be small, but they have skills that no others have. So he said to
2: Alang, You are the strongest of all. I will marry my daughter to you."
0: The mouse leader then prepared a traditional wedding for his daughter. On her wedding day, the third day of the Lunar New Year, the beautiful bride sat on a wicker sedan chair carried by two mice. Her dowry was put into many cases and carried by other mice. When the bride and bridegroom arrived at his parents' house, they knelt down and bowed to them. Once, twice, three times, they bowed to show their honor and gratitude. All the villagers then joined the happy wedding party. In the past, farmers believed that the third day of the lunar year was the day that mice would marry. So they would go to bed early and even leave a little food for the mice to celebrate with. Farmers believe their extension of goodwill on this night might keep the mice from damaging their crops that year.
4: Wow! <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this was my uh, first time uh, hearing this uh, radio play, and uh, great voice acting. Uh, yeah, by our, I um,
3: think our, our very own yeah. the dulcet tones
4: of Na- our very own Natalie. So Natalie, yeah. <laughs> uh, there was Leslie there. Uh, uh, there was Andrew. I did recognize ah. his voice, and Charlie Store. <laughs> uh, also uh featuring as one of the the uh supporting characters. <laughs> so what was your what was your takeaway from that Tomo? Uh I guess don't uh try to marry your daughter off uh, by means of devising a weird competition. Yeah. Um that seems to be a kind of fairly common device
3: in in sort of old kind of folktales yes. isn't it yeah and
4: yep. from the perspective of 2022 um or just you know the 20 or really the 20th century <laughs> uh this is, is kind of bizarre to us <laughs> uh but i guess you know it, it those were different times yeah what do you think the um you know why wh- why do you think this
3: story is so popular? What do you think it kind of...
4: Well, I guess because you know. it, it all comes back to mice. Um, you know, this is a, a popular concept in Chinese. Oh, sorry, Taiwanese society, Chinese as well, for that matter, is that you want to marry your daughter off well right if you're the father of the family the head of the family mm. you want uh, to find a good husband for your daughter and yeah. you know the most powerful the best the the swiftest you know we have the sun the clouds the wind the wall but then it comes back to mice and he learns the father learns eventually that oh you know the best the perfect groom for my bride was right there was right along. there all along yeah, yeah, yeah. um which is uh, a, a hopeful story i yeah. think ultimately uh gives hope to those who mean well who you know who want um to get married uh but are not considered worthy mm. so i guess maybe that is part maybe of, speaking of reason great reason why this is popular. grateful for what you have as well maybe was also well. maybe
3: that yeah kind
4: of you know what you need is is right there all yeah, along. Yeah, you exactly. Don't you don't need to look far outside of your community um, mm. to find good people. That you you do have good people around you, uh, and and you know don't look up to um, celebrities or, or people uh, in high positions of power uh, when you have um, decent folk uh, in your own community. Right
3: there in front of you. Yeah. Um, well. There you go. That was the the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I never I never knew that uh, we'd put we produce this kind of thing. Hmm, yeah, I was I was surprised as well. So,
4: well, this this was my first time. But uh, tune in next year when we're gonna do a live commentary version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be like, oh, that was a, well, that was, that a, a that was a strange, weird choice. Um,
3: so, uh, moving on, I suppose to uh, the new year. So, this coming mm. year, or the year it is now on February the third, is. Uh,
4: the Year of the Tiger King. No, Tiger, just Tiger. Tiger what? I, tiger King. Who's Tiger King? <laughs> oh, it's a it's a Netflix show. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, so this is uh, uh, something that was uh, the product of the pandemic. Uh, trashy TV apparently becomes more popular. I have yeah, seen yeah, yeah.
3: that, right. Yeah, it's not the Year of the Tiger King. No, no, not um, the Year of the Tiger King. Just the Tiger, King. the animal. So these are the zodiac signs. Um, uh, we both actually determined that Tomáš and I are rats. Yes. Um... So, which is yeah, it's not the best. You know, it's, it's not the kind of nicest animal. Um, I think, I suppose, being a rat, a snake, and a pig, in Western culture, at least,
4: um, yeah, uh, calling someone a rat is, <laughs> is very clearly negative. Yeah, in English, but it it is not so in Taiwanese culture. Yeah.
3: So the years of the tigers, obviously, every twelve years, uh, it's a symbol. Tiger is a a good year to be i think tigers mm-hmm. and dragons i think is the kind of most powerful animals in demand yeah so um uh and it's a symbol of strength exercising evils exorcising not exercising <laughs> <laughs> evil.
4: exercising
3: uh, and and bravery um it is let's see what else do we know about the tiger years um
4: Aren't, aren't they good with money, like with business? Possibly uh, good.
3: Do a, a, they a, have business acumen? Apparently, the l- numbers 1, 3, and 4 are lucky. Uh, oh, lucky okay. colors are blue, gray, and orange. Mm, not really tiger colors, <laughs> Might, well, except the orange. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's unrelated <laughs> to the actual animal. And lucky flowers are the yellow lily and cineraria. Oh. I don't know what that is there is a tiger connection in with Lily tiger yeah. lilies so um, honestly you can read into this as much as you like uh, I'm, I'm not sure I uh,
4: uh I'm not sure how much um, importance it's, I ascribe to this. yeah it's but. a it's a nice piece of folklore but um, I guess it has as much relevance to anyone's life as uh, you know zodiac that we know in Western countries yeah okay yeah.
3: well I thought I'd uh We'd finish this by, I, I give you a little quiz. All right. This is a tiger-related <clears throat> quiz, it being the year of the tiger. I know nothing about animals, so let's go. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's animals in popular culture. So oh, you okay, okay. So um, this is, uh, I'm gonna, there's multiple choice, so I'm going to have to read these options out to you. So question one. Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book is the story of a small boy abandoned in the forest and brought up by animals. What is the name of the tiger in the book, which is also the Hindi word for tiger?
5: Um,
3: it was... You're, say, as you're, okay, wait, do you want to... Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you want the options? I, I, do
4: do, t- I, I know it was something Khan. Um, okay. But I don't remember... So what your the options words. are... Mm-hmm. A, Ka, uh,
3: B, Bagheera, 3, Shere Khan, and 4, Baloo. Um,
4: three, Shere Khan. Okay. Uh,
3: well... Okay, so we're going to find out how much of these are correct afterwards. Uh, Mm -hmm. I believe that is the correct answer. Question two. An advertising mascot, Tony the Tiger, was proclaimed the Tiger of the Year in a publicity campaign in 1974, which coincided with the Chinese zodiac year of the Tiger. Which food item was Tony the mascot for?
4: It, I think it's the the a cereal. Um, okay. If it's that tiger, but okay. Yeah. What are the options? Okay, bre- uh, breakfast cereal, mm-hmm. ready to eat pasta,
3: mm-hmm. cup noodles, or canned soup. I'm gonna go with breakfast cereal. Okay, number three. They're great. If I, <laughs> if I if I have the right yeah, right I think tiger, I'm, I'm thinking of that one too. Number three, "Eye of the Tiger" is a chart topping number performed by the American band Survivor. Which movie soundtrack did it feature on, earning an Academy Award nomination for Best Original Song? in 1982 we
4: had that conversation with leslie i think the other day and uh, we couldn't decide if it was rocky two II or three well you rocky three is the only one on here oh, okay so then, i'm
3: gonna put that down as, yeah. uh, that's, <laughs> that's, what are the other answers uh tootsie for your <laughs> eyes only and flash dance i would love if tootsie featured <laughs> i have the time i don't know to, what, what's Flashdance? Flash i've never heard of flash Flashdance. Mm. no idea no idea no. um number four which pair of german-born entertainers who had a long-running show in Las Vegas, famously used white tigers as part of their act.
4: Before one of them was mauled by a tiger. Was he he killed? I think so. I mean, I I think he was killed in the incident. I I know the duo is no longer performing because one of them passed away, but I'm not sure if it was because of the tiger. Yeah, I I, I think I knew that one of them had been mauled, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, like, you know,
3: occupational hazard, they'd been mauled (laughs) before, but I... And then, yeah, now I'm thinking about it. Was it, I think? Yeah. Okay, so was it, who, who is this? It was Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, question number five. William Blake's collection of poems, Songs of Experience, contains a poem on the tiger. What archaic spelling of the word tiger did Blake use in the title? Hmm. Um, so I'm going to have to, look, I mm-hmm. suppose, just read these out to you. Um, so that's tiger with an extra E at the e. beginning. So t i e. G-E-R oh, okay. mm-hmm. um, Tiger with an A instead of an E So taigar tiger. Um, That same again Except with a, a Y instead of the I So taigar like, mm-hmm. um, And then the final Is just tiger but with a Y instead of the
4: I Either Three or four would be my mm. Guess before hearing the answers Yeah um, Okay I'm going to go with four Okay yeah, with so just tiger just with, a with, a y with a Y instead of, instead of an I, I yeah. Okay Oh, I'm I'm kind of ashamed that I knew Siegfried and Roy, but I'm kind of <laughs> guessing in, with this the William one, like Blake actual literature. <laughs> uh,
3: all right. Um, the first movie... Okay, we're going to rattle through these. The first movie in the Ice Age series features Sid the Sloth, Manfred the Mammoth, and Diego the saber-toothed Tiger on their journey to return a human baby to her tribe. What are these three nicknamed? Is it the Snow Angels, the Rescue Crew, the Ice Samaritans, or the Sub-Zero Heroes?
4: Um... <laughs> I'm going to guess here. Sub-Zero Heroes. Okay. I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. Either.
3: Which Booker Prize winning novel by Jan Martel features a boy stranded on a boat in the middle Life of Pi? Of- yes. Uh, <laughs> there was a young lady of uh, Niger who smiled as she rode on a tiger. Um, they returned from the ride with the lady inside and the smile on the face of the tiger. What is the term used to denote five line poems? It's just the word the one given above. Is it A, limerick, B, haiku, uh, three sonnet, or four ballad? Siegfried and Roy. (laughs) And also a limerick. Yes. Uh, Okay, question number nine. A.A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh... Winnie the (laughs) (laughs)
1: Pooh? Winnie the Pooh.
3: I guess we're going to cut that That out. Winnie the Pooh books were inspired by his son, Christopher Robin, and his very stuffed toys. Which chat acronym is the catchphrase of one of the characters, a tiger called Tigger. Um, So that is T-T-Y-L, R-O-F-L, L-O-L, or T-T-F-N.
4: What's T-T-F-N? I have no idea. What does... Talk to you... Talk... I don't... Mm. T-T-Y-L is talk to you later. T-T-Y-N... Tata for now. Tata for oh. Maybe. I don't know. It could be that oh, could be t- it. is it TTFN? Sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Tata for now. Okay, let's go with this okay, one. Okay, Sounds very British.
3: And then finally, uh, which fictional kid created by Bill uh, w- Watterson had a stuffed tiger that came alive in the absence of adults? Oh, uh,
4: uh, Calvin and Hobbes.
3: Yes, that's Calvin. Let's see. Aren't correct. You're submitting the answers. Um, and you are... Ten out of ten. Wow, Tiger that King!
4: Impressive. I you have, have dethroned you the, the reigning king. <laughs> <laughs> that is an
3: impressive result. Oh, thank you. Considering that there was like a couple of guesses, yeah, they're, in they're, that. I didn't have you, to guess a few. You've got yeah. What was this, the the. Uh, the sub-zero hero oh, sub-zero Heroes. i'm not sure okay. i would have got that I,
4: one I, I think i saw that movie with my sister who's eight years younger when it came out because I was say, it was kind of age appropriate <laughs> i thought you were about to say 18 her. years younger no, I was no, like, no 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 <laughs> you know, okay yeah fair uh, yeah but I'm, I'm it sounded like something that uh would appear in an animated movie like this <laughs> it, it, it's just the right amount of like okay but and also cheesy yeah exactly
3: well there you go year of the tiger here there was some uh tigers in popular western culture um that yeah an animal that appears a fair amount i think happy
4: new year to you from us here at rti uh, whether you're a tiger or any other uh animal yeah the zodiac uh we hope you have a, a prosperous new year yeah and um wish you all the best yeah <laughs> um, and uh, do let us know if you are Tigers uh, you can find us at en.rti.org.tw or Facebook or YouTube or Twitter indeed we'll, we'll speak to you soon
2: Newsmakers, a look at Taiwan's movers and shakers.
4: Hello and welcome to Newsmakers. In this week's edition, we take a look not at a single person, but a group of people and the name under which they band together, the Taiwanese Olympic team. The 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing are set to kick off on Friday with a lavish ceremony that will include an artistic spectacle directed by the renowned Chinese filmmaker Zhang Yimou. Zhang has previously directed the opening and closing ceremonies of the 2008 Summer Olympic Games, also held in Beijing. Around 4,000 people are said to have participated in a full-scale dress rehearsal of the ceremony in late January. Beijing, however, has been upset over a number of countries boycotting the Olympic Games diplomatically. That means that no dignitaries will officially represent the governments of countries like Australia, Belgium, Canada, Denmark, Estonia, Great Britain, Kosovo, Lithuania, Taiwan, and perhaps most importantly for China, the United States. Athletes from those countries will still be allowed to compete. Additionally, a number of other countries announced they would not be sending government representatives due to the COVID-19 pandemic, while others, for example Japan, are dispatching relatively low-level functionaries. For the Chinese Communist Party, the Olympic Games and especially participation in the opening and closing ceremonies are a question of prestige, so non-attendance is a relatively serious issue. In this climate of increasing foreign resentment towards participating in shows put on by the government in Beijing, Taiwan announced on Friday that its small, 15-strong team, which only includes four athletes, would not be participating in either of the ceremonies. The official reason given for that were delayed flights, restrictive COVID-19 rules, and returning to Taiwan early, since the team will not be participating in competitions in the latter part of the Games. On Monday, however, the Taiwanese Olympic authorities reversed the decision after receiving several notices from the International Olympic Committee requiring the Taiwanese team to participate. However, there seems to be a bit more to that story. Last week, a Taiwanese official familiar with the situation told Reuters news agency that there was a worry that China would downgrade Taiwan and place it on par with athletes from Hong Kong. China claims sovereignty over Taiwan, and making Taiwanese athletes march alongside those from Chinese-run Hong Kong would serve to legitimize that claim. To make matters worse, on Wednesday last week, China's Taiwan Affairs Office, a Communist Party organ responsible for dealing with Taiwan affairs, referred to Taiwanese athletes as being from Taipei, China, or Zhongguo Taipei in Mandarin, rather than the agreed-upon Chinese Taipei, or Zhonghua Taipei. Listeners unfamiliar with Mandarin may ask what exactly is the difference. Well, to explain it, we're going to have to go back in history. In 1949, the Kuomintang, or KMT government headed by Chiang Kai-shek, fled China and established itself in Taiwan, ceded to the Republic of China by Japan only four years prior. At first, it was this government that enjoyed international recognition as the legitimate government of China, but that began to gradually change as more and more countries and international organizations started switching diplomatic recognition to the People's Republic of China, ruled by the Chinese Communist Party from Beijing. Perhaps the most significant step in that process was ROC's ejection from the United Nations and the PRC being given that seat instead. At the same time, the authoritarian ROC government of the time refused to relinquish its claims to the entire pre-1949 Chinese territory. The International Olympic Committee used a number of unofficial names to differentiate athletes from the ROC and the PRC. At the Olympic Games in 1964, the term Taiwan was used, but that solution satisfied no one. China felt the term didn't conform with their claims to legitimacy over ROC territory, while the KMT government in Taipei resented the fact that their claims to rule over China were absent from this designation. This was, again, long before the people of Taiwan won their democracy and removed the authoritarian KMT government. A compromise was eventually reached in 1979 when both the ROC and the PRC agreed to use the term Chinese Taipei to represent athletes from the ROC. The KMT government felt that the English word Chinese was ambiguous enough to serve the purpose since it could just as well refer to Chinese culture as to any political entity. For reference, examples of terms with similarly ambiguous denotations include Arab or Hispanic. This compromise was quickly adopted by the IOC as well as other international sports federations. However, there was still disagreement over the flag and the anthem that the team would be competing under, and consequently the ROC boycotted the 1980 Olympic Games. In 1983, the national flag anthem of the Republic of China was chosen, along with the flag design featuring five Olympic rings against a white background. These have been in use ever since. The controversy, however, did not end there. You see, the same kind of ambiguity present in the English term Chinese Taipei does not exist in Mandarin. The PRC translates the term as Zhongguo Taipei, with the word Zhongguo meaning China as a political entity. This implies Beijing's sovereignty over Taiwan and translates roughly to Taipei China, similar to the term Zhongguo Xianggang, or Hong Kong China. The term used in Taiwan, on the other hand, is Zhonghua Taipei. The Mandarin word Zhonghua in this and other contexts usually denotes the Chinese cultural sphere and not a political entity. Both sides continued using their own versions until a consensus was reached in 1989 when the PRC agreed to use the Taiwanese translation at sporting events held in China. During the 2008 Summer Olympics in Beijing, they seemed to have kept that promise and referred to the Taiwanese team as Zhonghua Taipei both domestically and internationally. This was not the case last year, however, when Chinese state media used the term Zhongguo Taipei almost exclusively when reporting on the delayed 2020 Tokyo Olympics. The term Chinese Taipei is not very popular in modern Taiwan. Distinguished Taiwanese athlete Ji Zeng called it aggravating, humiliating, and depressing. Many others see it as a symbol of Chinese pressure, especially since it spills over into other organizations and contexts. Notably, the World Health Organization, a body in which China is largely seen as a very influential force, uses the term Zhongguo Taipei, or Taipei China, in official documents except for rare occasions when Taiwanese representatives are invited to participate, when the term Chinese Taipei, or Zhonghua Taipei, is used instead. A proposal to change the name was brought forward during the 2018 national referendum in Taiwan, but was rejected by the majority of voters. The main argument against the change was fear that Taiwan's team would be excluded from participation in the Olympic Games altogether. With a constant stream of military provocations and threats of invasion coming from Beijing, the people of Taiwan are understandably apprehensive about upsetting their powerful and belligerent neighbor. One can only hope that international attention to the issue and support from democratic societies around the world will eventually lead to Taiwanese athletes being able to one day compete under a name of their own choosing. This brings us to the end of this episode of Newsmakers. Join me next week for another look at Taiwan's movers and shakers.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight.
6: Welcome to In the Spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin. Darren Chua is from Singapore. He came to Taiwan to help expand Curves, which is a women-only fitness club that already exists worldwide. He then fell in love with Taiwan, married a Taiwanese wife, and together they have two sons. Darren not only works for curves, but also runs Ideal Space, a workspace that offers all kinds of services. Today, Darren is going to talk about another of his interests, and that is in renewable energy.
1: So when I got into renewable energy, I saw the advantage of what renewable energy could bring. It's, you know, Profitable at at a moment at, at the same time, and also so it contributes to you know societal environmental benefits where we produce clean and green energy for people. And right now it's a growing trend with a lot of countries you know pledging to be carbon neutral by you know two zero two five two zero three zero.
6: Do you think it's feasible? Well, I mean, <laughs> I kind of doubt
1: it. Yes, I mean that's that's what people are always talking about. I mean, like you know Bill Gates even wrote a book about it, right? Yeah. So I think the Future is going to towards, you know, cleaner renewable energy. And there's always this debate about, you know, is nuclear power considered renewable energy?
6: Yeah, do you?
1: So, you know, I get questioned a lot about that. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it's like I, I sit on the fence on okay. this. And, and, and it's often, when you talk about energy, it's often a very political... Why does yeah, it have to be that way? <laughs> it it Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, things are always simple, but, you know, everything could be turned into a political tool, weapon. I I feel that, you know, nuclear, if harnessed in a proper way, and also um, if the waste are um, handled in a proper way, a responsible way, I think it would be great. But I think, you know, as we all know what happened in Fukushima and, you know, with, with, you know, the backlash, you know, the the harmful effects on the environment, on the economy, you know, people are taking a step back from if not nuclear, what else? Mm. So the most obvious, um, you know, choice alternative right now it's you know solar energy, wind. Okay. Yeah. So that's,
6: well, yeah that's what you're focusing on solar. Solar. In, in what way? Solar panels or has, yes. have we gone beyond solar panels? Is there more that we that's solar you know uh um, yes. related yes that i don't know about
1: so um the hype right now it's more on the um it's more oh, like storage storage okay yes. solar storage yes. kind of yes okay. because the nature of solar it you know happens only when the sun is up yes. and energy it's usually real time i mean when it's produced it has to be consumed so it's usually very expensive to have the technology to store energy, which is that the battery technology. It's often very bulky, expensive, and dangerous at the same time. So uh-huh. people are debating, like, you know, the cost of creating, you know, the, the, the lithium ion. Is it even environmentally friendly? Is you it? Start, it? It isn't right now. It isn't really. It isn't. Yeah, it isn't. Oh. And, you know, even when talking about renewable energy, the we talk about the harmful effects of creating the panels. And mm. what happens if the panels are to be discarded? Mm. So people always talk about the, you know, the you know How do you recycle? recycle. Yeah, how do you handle the waste? So all this has to be really considered when you're talking about, you know, the efficiency of, you know, solar energy. But as where I stand and from my opinion, I think it's still a way forward. Simply because, you know, we have lands that are unused. We have rooftops that are unused. And we, we have also water surfaces that are unused currently in taiwan if you do take the high speed rail if you look up the window you actually see there's a lot of solar um, panels are being built on the rooftops of uh, you know factories okay, um, yeah, and even I do farms see that. on farms yang okay. ji yes so this is actually really great that you know you do not take up lands that might be reserved for agriculture use but it's like a double utilization of you know a rooftop that is already established and this is something that i am you know i'm really happy to see especially in taiwan um you know the thing about solar is always about efficiency so yeah. you know like um 100% comes in how much of that 100% is lost and ultimately turns into you know energy that we can use to power homes offices as um technology increase and as well as cost goes down, there's something that you know, today, um, you know, people in this industry are hoping that the, the cost of producing green energy will actually reduce because you know, infrastructures are going down. And at the same time, we're seeing you know, on the governmental side, legislation is actually supportive of that.
6: You do have a business to deal with solar energy.
1: Well, right now, um, I just exited a solar investment platform last year. So currently, what I'm doing is more on a consulting basis, and okay. I'm looking to be part of something great uh, in 2022. So currently looking you know, to be part of a, a solar firm, uh-huh. yeah, which has about you know, three gigawatt of um, a- assets right now. Could be, they could be uh, one of the largest solar asset managers in Asia. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping to see you know how we could contribute to that and also how do we uh, you know bring the concept of renewable energy certificates you know to corporates
6: So are you self teaching yourself about solar energy about renewable energy and all that kind of stuff because you're from a computer science background but you don't you didn't learn these things so you're you're like reading a lot of books you're reading a lot of information I mean you self-teaching yourself? Are you trying to get a degree about it? <laughs> I
1: don't oh know. no, it, it comes directly from actually doing the work itself. Yeah. So uh-huh. like in my last company was doing renewable. Oh, you
6: learn as you as yes. you do the business. Okay. Yes,
1: and uh, because uh, we had investors, um, and my investors are actually doing uh, they actually own solar assets. Yeah, quite quite massive amount of them. And in between, like I do have my like engineering CTO. Yes. Yeah, where I learned a lot of my solar, you know, the technology from him. I go down to the um, to the solar assets in uh, Yunling, Zhanghua. Uh-huh. We climb the roof. We understand what's happening. That's southern
6: Taiwan. Yeah. Yes. Okay.
1: So we actually do the work. We understand the construction process, the legal process, the finance process. I get to see like the efficiency on a daily basis. You know mm-hmm. how do you do the you know the engineering part, the operation maintenance. How do you maintain efficiency? So these are things that you you learn on the job, and obviously I'm I'm really really interested. So I took a huge interest to understand the technology, how this technology could actually become beneficial to to, to people in general. You're listening to In The Spotlight with Shirley Lin.
6: I'm speaking with Darren Chua, who is the owner of Ideal Space, a workspace that offers all kinds of services, and also who works for Curves, a fitness center that's only for women. But in today's episode, he talks about his concern for renewable energy. So what was the first thing you did when you realized that you really, really care about renewable energy and about solar energy and all that? How did you find this company that you approached and learning from them as you work with them?
1: Well what I saw was uh, it was more of a finance game because I was thinking how could I make investments you know sustainable? How could you earn you know profits from investment that is actually you know beneficial to society? Mm. So there's this term called impact investing. Yeah so BlackRock has did actually did a survey in 2019 in Taiwan where 9 out of 10 people in Taiwan would prefer their investments actually comes from, you know, investments that are socially and environmentally <laughs> friendly. <laughs> that means that, you know, I would not invest in a, a tobacco company. Right. Like, you know, if it's a listed company, I do, I do not want to invest in to get returns from that. Right. And if I invest in any company, I would like to look, you know, at their uh, you know CSR report or uh, ESG report. I would like to see that, you know, are they using uh, sustainable um, oh, yeah. you know, supply chain? Yeah. Do they hire, uh, um, you know, like fair wages, gender equality? Yeah, so I oh, started okay. a company and I found people who had the similar ideas. And I was very fortunate to find people who were from, you know, family offices, yeah, oh. who own solar assets, uh, very prominent families in Taiwan. Okay. Um, I also found, um, you know, a law firm where four of their partners, they, they believe in the idea. And instead of collecting money from me, they actually traded for shares. Oh, so okay. I could have just service in, you know, in return for shares. You know, as an entrepreneur, I started a company myself to solve the problem that I was passionate in. That was how I started, uh, raised a fund, um, got great people to join the company, and we started something. So that was my first step into you know, renewable energy. You asked a question which was really important, like, you know, what was the first thing I did? Yeah. And the first thing I did was actually to challenge myself and to listen to what people were saying about the negative side of you know, green energy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I think if I could convince myself, right, that you know, if the negative things that people were saying were untrue, yeah, then that would be actually you know meaningful. Yeah, so I like to listen to what other people were saying. I watch a lot of YouTube's. I watch a lot of documentaries about you know energy. What does it mean? I went to read a lot of books by prominent people like Bill Gates. Uh Yeah, and to understand what does it really mean, you know how the technology works. Because as a tech person, you know if the technology makes sense, you know that is you know about ninety percent done for me. And at the same time, I went around talking to people. Yeah, talking to people, you know, of big companies, uh, oil and gas company. I went to, you know, I went on LinkedIn, I messaged people, I went to find out, you know, what what does it really mean? And sometimes, you know, you you would like to ask an oil and gas company like BP, you know, what are you guys doing, you know, for the environment? Yeah, Mm. and and these are questions that, you know, they, they, they will find ways to say that, okay, you know, we're still drilling for oil, yeah, but on this side, you know, this is something else we are doing. I, I went to do a lot of research on, you know, what energy is, you know, how it works and I was convinced along the way and I realized I, you know, at this instance in time I think it's really important that, you know, we find alternative sources of clean energy that we could actually not, you know it's just more to supplement, you know, our energy usage. So it's not possible right now that everything is powered by hundred percent renewable. Yeah. yeah. So I think at least a portion of it, you know, it works.
6: What are some of the negative things that people have been saying about green energy?
1: Well, they would think that it's untrue. And usually people use it for, you know, political points. And... um, Politics uh, in play again. Yes. And obviously, uh, we we spoke about nuclear just now. People say that, oh, you know, I I, I don't believe in solar. Let's go 100% nuclear. So there's always a debate. On this yeah which you know I I don't see it on any site right now people would say that you know we should go to nuclear we should go back to focus on making uh, you know oil and gas industry cleaner through regulations through tax them a little bit more Yeah, and we shouldn't wow. waste more time on solar um, something happened actually in Taiwan last year because majority of land in Taiwan, that is suitable for solar, um, you know, for solar assets are actually based in the central and central southern and southern Taiwan, southern Taiwan. Mm-hmm. and most of these lands are actually aquaculture lands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it became that you know there's this concept. They say 中田 or 中田, oh. so it became like the landlords of this agricultural land. They were not renting the land to farmers, and oh. this actually impacted you know the lives of farmers or and the agriculture you know, economy as a whole. So, so there were a lot of arable lands that were not given to farmers, oh. and if you look, take a look at the finances, it makes sense because, like, for example, if you rent uh, you know an acre of land to a farmer, um, the yeah. landlord only might get you know like uh, fifty thousand Taiwan a year, but mm-hmm. if you rent it to someone who is doing solar, mm-hmm. because it's uh, revenue sharing, you can get up to ten times that amount in a given year. Oh. So very naturally, as a landlord, I would prefer you know renting to a high income you know revenue source. And that actually created, you know, a, a big impact where, you know, the agriculture sector went down and people out of job. And that's where in um, in Taiwan, the Hui they actually came in to to, to regulate. So uh. currently in Taiwan, there is regulations that if you are going on a land-based solar asset, you actually need approval from Nongwehui in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And you know, it created a lot of you know discussion. People were angry. But I actually supported the idea because that, you know, even in the course of doing green, using green energy, we should not sacrifice another aspect of the economy, which is agriculture, which is also important. Mm-hmm, there are yeah. people's lives at stake. Uh, Especially
6: and now that more people are into health eating. You exactly. Know, or, you know, go vegetarian. Exactly. Yeah. Well, okay, so the only way would be the Council of Agriculture, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, okay, well, that's good somebody's regulating i mean yeah the government needs to play in this sometimes when it gets too messy but what do you think about renewable energy what's right and wrong i mean what what are your thoughts are you changing your house so there's more green i don't know what are you doing
1: for me usually that's something that is beautiful about taiwan for me as well is that you know people have the habit of doing the recycling like So, like even the very simple um, practice of sorting your trash Right? Like from where I was from, you know, being born in Singapore and in a lot of countries, you know, we we do not really sort our trash. Really? Yeah. We just dump it, everything, package it up and we dump it anywhere, right? But in in Taiwan, we we see that, you know, even the households, Mm -hmm. right? Like when I first came here, it was really like a a culture shock for me (laughs) that I had to sort my trash. (laughs) I need to wash like the the plastic cups. After getting into this, you know, I, I got more aware of how I was using stuff like you know Mm. i try not to you know use one use plastics Mm. i try to be you know use recyclable materials we even choose like you know our uh you know washing machine that has like you know the the four stars energy stars stuff like that
6: we thank you for contributing to taiwan and loving taiwan and being here and offering so much of your service thank you so much for people like you thank you darren thank you
0: Thank you for tuning in to radio taiwan international taiwan's national broadcaster we hope you enjoyed our programs you can catch all of our latest news audio and video features on our website at en.rti.org.tw again go to our website en.rti.org.tw for engaging news videos and programs about taiwan if you like to hang out on social media rti is there too our Facebook URL is Radio Taiwan International. And you can watch our engaging video features, including the weekly news magazine program Taiwan Insider, on our YouTube channel, RTI English. Again, our YouTube channel is RTI English. For those who enjoy the Twitter sphere, our handle for Taiwan Insider is at Taiwan Insider. For RTI English, it's at radio taiwan underscore eng and if you'd like to enjoy us on your smartphone just download our app rti2go that's one of the best ways to enjoy all our news videos and programs that's rti2go if you're a shortwave listener we have two channels in asia for south asia tune into 6100 kilohertz from 1600 to 1700 utc To Southeast Asia, you can hear us on 15320 kHz from 0300 to 0400 UTC. We would love to know what you think of our programs. Email us at english at rti.org.tw. Thank you again for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International.